But today I want to talk to you on the topic, Crystal Clear Reception. If you're taking notes, the title is Crystal Clear Reception. You know, I, uh, a couple weeks ago, right before I went down to Busan, I, I got a new phone. I got a new phone. I got an iPhone 6. And if you know anything about our church, uh, we're really big on Apple. And so the past two years, I've had a Samsung Galaxy. Because I don't conform. Everyone else, you got your iPhones. But I ended up conforming. But, uh, you know, the thing about my iPhone, like, it's, it's cool and it's amazing. I miss my widgets, though. I miss, like, being able to set up everything. Like, Apple just puts you in these boxes. And you got to use everything in the boxes. But I love it. It's amazing. Uh, but I love, I love this new phone. And it's, like, so nice in my hand. And, you know, I'm not saying that I'm, I, don't, I don't worship my iPhone. I'm just saying I like it. And I love it. I love using the apps, like, the the iTunes store, like it's, it's got so much more than this, than the Google play store. Like what's going on, Google? Like you made Google, you made like the search engine. I can search for anything, but I can't find the app I need, but the iTunes store, I can, but the two big things that I noticed about my iPhone that I like, and that is such a significant upgrade is the network. Okay. So when I got my Samsung galaxy, I got it about two and a half years ago and I got it right before the 4G LTE came out. So like I got my phone because I dropped my HTC. Like I dropped it face down. Some of you are like, you had an HTC? Yes, I did. <laughs> Me and five other people. And I dropped it face down and it broke. It shattered. And I saw that and I was like, ah, oh, I guess the Lord wants me to get a new phone. <laughs> so I went and I got a new phone and I went and got this Galaxy and they were like, you know, well, it's 3G. And I was like, well, that's what everyone has, 3G. And then the next week, 4G LTE came out. And I went to try, and they wouldn't let me upgrade my phone. Injustice, right? Sin is real. <laughs> and, uh, I, and so I was so upset. And I, so I had this phone. And so, you know, whenever I download apps or try to watch anything on YouTube or do any of that stuff, you know, if I want to listen to a sermon, like it would take all day. Like, it's just like literally like slow downloads. But now that I got this iPhone 6, it's just like, it happens in an instant. I got to be careful that I don't go over my data plan. Like, I think I almost did the first week. I was downloading everything, right? And then the second thing is I love how clear it is. I I went and researched LTE. and, And one of the biggest things about the LTE network is that it gives you greater voice quality. <laughs> now, see, some of y'all are like, whatever. Like, I know you're just talking about this for your servant. And no, no, seriously, my Galaxy would drop calls all the time. Like, depending on where my hand was, like, I could not hear. And so even if, like, if I was talking to someone like this, they'd be like, hello, hello, I can't hear you. And then I'd move right here, and they're like, oh, I hear you just fine. <laughs> I was like, what kind of demonic phone is this? Like I would like, I would try to make a phone call and then it would, it would dial, but then it would cut off. And I'm like, what's wrong with my phone? Like I would try to talk to people and I would hear his buzzing. See, this is something dear to my heart. Y'all need to open up your heart to my suffering. I went through this for two years. You imagine how lost I felt. But then I got my new iPhone. And the first thing I noticed when the, I made that first phone call was how clear it was. I was just like, man, I can, I can hear. I can hear. It don't matter where I'm at. Like, I can hear everything. And then as I was thinking about that, God began to speak to me. And he was like, Marcus, so many people in the body of Christ, their relationship with hearing my voice is like you with that Samsung Galaxy. For one moment, it sounds crystal clear. And then another moment, it drops out. You know what that's like? One time you hear God so clear, you know, he's speaking to you. But the next time it's like, God, where God, you there? Where you at, God? Or depending on where you're at, depending on your geographic location, depending on where you're at in your walk, you feel like you can hear him. And then other times you feel like you can't hear him at all. 
See, so many of us, we struggle with hearing the voice of God. But God wants you to have crystal clear reception. He wants you to be able to, like me and my iPhone 6. Now I call anybody with confidence. Like I, I put them, who I didn't talk to, Cacao Talk, Skype, like it don't even matter. Like, yes, that's right. Like God wants you to have confidence in hearing his voice. Because so many of us, we don't really grasp the fact that we can hear his voice. Or we have so much doubt about hearing his voice. We feel like we can hear his voice in one season, but the next season is buzzing. We feel like we can hear him in one moment, but the next moment is static. And so we struggle so much with hearing God's voice. But see, if you can hear God's voice, it has so much power on the way that you live your Christian walk. Everything changes when you learn to hear his voice. I want us to look here in John chapter 10. We're going to read verses 1 to 6. And then we're going to read verses 27 to 28. And this is a famous passage of scripture, famous passage of scripture where Jesus is identifying another attribute as to who he is. John 10, I want you to look along with me, verses 1 to 6. And then we can read all the way down if we want. But I just want to focus on 1 to 6 and then verses 27 to 28. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way. That man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. Underline that. The sheep hears, hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before him and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice a stranger they will not follow but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers this figure of speech jesus used with them talking about the pharisees but they did not understand what he was saying to them skip down to to verse 27 this is jesus reiterating again he says my sheep hear my voice and i know them and they follow me I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Amen. See, Jesus in this passage is establishing an identity about himself that is bringing into fulfillment what we find in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Right. He restores my soul. He leads me down paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. This identity of God as being our shepherd. Jesus shows up on the scene and he begins to identify himself as a good shepherd. We see in John 10, 10, he says that the thief has come to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I love that one. That Jesus came that we may have life and life abundant. That our lives would be defined by an abundant life. It would be defined by him leading us and being led by Jesus and being led into that abundant life, being led into that life and life to the full is all about following his voice. We see here in the passage of scripture that Jesus is talking about people being able to follow his voice. In fact, he says, my sheep hear my voice. In the IVP commentary on the New Testament, the writer, he says this about this passage of scripture. He says that the sheep are known by who they know. That the sheep are identified by whom's voice they can identify and hear. See, being able to hear the voice of God is so important. Being able to discern his voice, being able to be led by his voice is so important. And it's so important because Jesus even places your identity upon that fact. He says, my sheep, you know, the ones that are my sheep, they know my voice. That's 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 profound. Some of you are like that's not profound. No, no, that's profound. I'm telling you, it's profound. Your identity as a believer. Has a lot to do with hearing his voice. Jesus says it right here. 
is he, he lays down his life for the sheep. He is the good shepherd. He is the one who leads us. But it also is connected with your ability to hear his voice. And see, so many of us, we think that it's not that important. Or we don't really grasp the importance of hearing God's voice. And so even when we have the kind of Samsung Galaxy moments with God where he, he's in for a moment and it's so powerful, it's, trans, it's transformative for us. But then we have the moments where it drops out. We don't really think about it too much. We just think, oh, that's how the Christian walk is supposed to go. But I want to know, I want you to tell you, I want to tell you that God puts importance on your ability to hear his voice. Satan puts importance on your ability to hear God's voice. Satan actually attacks our ability to hear God's voice because he knows that if he can attack your ability to hear, he will attack what you actually do. He will naturally cause you to follow other things. If he can begin to put confusion in there, if things can begin to drop out, if they're going to begin to be distraction and disconnection, then Satan naturally knows that because you can't hear his voice, you will begin to go astray. I preached about the word and the power of being in the word of God last Sunday at Busan. And I want to encourage you to go back and and listen to it. But there's a few passages of scripture from that that I want to look at even in this message about how Satan places primacy on our ability to hear and understand the word of God, to hear and understand his voice. Uh, look at John 10, 5 right here. Jesus says a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. In John 10, 10, when he talks about the thief who comes to steal, kill and destroy, we know that he's talking not just about he's not talking about Pharisees. He's talking about Satan, ultimately. And so Jesus implies in John 10, 5, that there are other voices. He implies that there are other voices that sometimes we may that may be calling out to us. There's other voices that are trying to murky up the water, that are trying to make us confused, that are trying to get in there in terms of our ability to hear. Turn to Matthew 13, 18 to 23. See, Satan oftentimes is calling out with different voices, different lies, different deception. Maybe it's lies regarding your past, lies regarding who you are, lies regarding your future. Even lies to lead you into certain areas of temptation. He's attacking always our ability to hear. In Matthew 13, 18 to 23, this is the, the famous parable of the sower, right? We've heard this so many times. And Jesus gives them this parable in the, in the verse, first verses of Matthew 13, where he talks about that there is this farmer and he goes out and he scatters seed, right? He scatters seed, but some of it gets upon the road. And so the birds come and they take it. And then he scatters seed upon rocky ground, right? And it goes in for a time, but... Ultimately, because there's no foundation, it gets washed away. And then there's the the next. He, he spreads seed upon the, the thorns, right? The thorny ground. And so the thorns begin to choke away that which is growing. And then lastly, it's upon good soil, right? That brings forth 30, 60, 100 fold. And the disciples are like, well, what are you talking about, Jesus? You know, you're always speaking in parables. I love how when Jesus stepped into a room, he never he didn't speak that clearly half the time. Like he always came in and he just let me tell you about the sower. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? He, he constantly spoke in parables. And so they were like, what are you talking about? And he says, and so he begins to explain it to his disciples. Matthew 13, 18 to 23 he says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. And does not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. Pause. So when the word goes out, guess who's waiting right there to see if it goes in? Satan. He's waiting to snatch the word. Because he knows that the word has power. Keep going. He says, this is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yea, Yet has no room in himself and endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the person. On account of who you are as a believer, on account of your circumstances. No, on account of the word. Immediately he falls away. 
tribulation and persecution arise on account of you? No, account of the word. Satan oftentimes is attacking the words that God speaks. You see this in Genesis chapter three, verse one. God establishes Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Adam is like flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. You know, he wakes up and he's like, oh, snap, who is this? And then they, they're there. I'm not going to continue on what happens after that, but yeah. And then it says in Genesis three, verse one, after God speaks to them, he says that you can eat of, eat of the fruit of any tree in the garden except for one. Because if you eat of that, you, shall, you will surely die. What does Satan come in and do to Eve? He says, hey, did God actually say? Did God actually say? What is he attacking? The word. He's attacking Eve's ability to hear. All of a sudden, she's feeling all confused. What, did I hear him? I know Adam told me that, but, you know, I don't know. Is that true? Did he really? Because Satan is oftentimes after our ability to hear. See, we don't realize it, but for so many of us, we're walking through so much confusion because Satan is constantly attacking our ability to hear. And so we need to begin to, once again, Understand how to rightly hear the voice of God. Some of us think, well, I've heard a message on this before. Well, you need to hear a message like this again. Because you may be doing good one day and, oh, man, this is such great quality. And, and then all of a sudden, God. And so we've got to constantly go back to that place, because if not, you'll be led astray. So let's talk about how to have crystal clear reception. Turn back to. John chapter 10. The first the first way you have crystal clear reception, and this is, I think, the most important. Is to believe that you can hear God's voice. That sounds so simple, right? Believe that you can hear his voice. Most believers, though, trip up right here. Because they don't even believe that they can hear or know the voice of God with precision. I think maybe. Uh, but Jesus, listen to what Jesus says in John 10. John 10, verse 2. He says. Well, verse 3, sorry. John 10, verse 3. He says, the sheep hear his voice. He says it with absolute confidence. The sheep, they hear Look at verse four. It says the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. See, if you're a blood bought believer, if you are someone whom Jesus has bought with his own blood and you are a Christian, then therefore you can hear his voice. You got to let that truth start to resonate deeply because there's so much confusion that we go through and we don't realize that Jesus says in this passage of scripture with absolute confidence Hey, check it out. You can hear me. You can hear me. You hear my voice. He says, my sheep, you know, one of the characteristics of my sheep, you hear my voice. This initial fact is so important because ever since the fall, the initial thing that Satan attacks is whether or not you can even hear his voice. I can't hear his voice. I don't know if he's saying that. I got to talk to this person. Can I talk to, I don't know if it's, did he really say? I don't know. I don't, you know, like, let me pray about it five times. Did he really? He's constantly attacking your ability to hear, hear his voice. But Jesus is like, hey, my sheep hear my voice. You hear God. You hear him. On the subway, when he's telling you to pray for that person, you're hearing him. <laughs> I don't hear you right now. Uh, Jesus, there's a disconnect. The call drop. <laughs> when he's like, hey, give to that person. What was that? There's a buzz. There's a buzz. <laughs> you hear his voice. And there's two things that you can understand from this fact. The first is that we can hear and know his voice. And the second is that God is speaking. If God will say that you can hear his voice, that must mean that he is speaking. For some of us, that's where we fall, because we think that God ain't speaking to me. 
He's speaking to someone else, but he's not speaking to me. He'll speak to the pastor, but he won't speak to me. So one of the main ways he attacks our ability to hear is that he convinces us that we can't hear him and we can't understand him. But it's so important to first get in your system that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the ability to hear from God. Whether you're new or whether you've been here a while, that's something you got to continue to go back through. There's so many times where I'm praying and I'm in the prayer closet with God and I'm, I'm starting to experience doubt. Like, God, did you actually tell me to do that? Especially when it's something hard. That's really when we start to experience all kinds of doubt. When we sense the Holy Spirit leading us. Oh, God, did you really say I needed to submit to that? Did you really tell me to give that much, God? That much money, God? Really? God, God, the, this connection, the connection. But God's like, no, no. You hear my voice. Do you believe you hear me? So much will change in your Christian walk when you just get that first step down. The second way we have crystal clear reception is to understand how God speaks. So it's not enough to just know that you can hear him and believe that you can hear him. But the second thing is you need to understand the ways in which God speaks to us. Because see, check it out. If. If a person walks up to you in the way in which they communicate is sign language, but you don't understand the way in which they speak, you may have an ability to hear, but you don't, there's no understanding. So you've got to begin to understand how is it that God speaks to me so that then you can get on that same wavelength to begin to hear his voice. And so there's a few ways that God speaks. The first way is he speaks through his word. He speaks through the word. Many times we're looking for a fresh word from God. Rather than looking to obey and meditate on what's already been said. Oftentimes what I find is that God has already been speaking to us the same thing over and over and over in his word. And we're like, God, give me a fresh word. God, I can't hear you. God, I don't know. God, I can't hear you. God, speak to me. God, speak to me. And he's like, actually, do you know up in here I've spoken to you quite a bit? You know, up in these pages, I've spoken quite a bit. If you would just stop and read. If you would obey. God, give me another word. Give me another word. I need another word. I need a fresh word. Can somebody pray for me? Can you lay hands on me? Prophesy, please. I need anything. And God's like, actually, I've already prophesied. See. Satan attacks the word because God, he knows that God speaks through the word. The written word, Second Timothy. There's two components to this. The, the written word is Second Timothy three sixteen. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete. The scripture is there to make you complete. Equipped for every good work. Well, God, I don't know what I should do. I don't know if I have enough. And he's saying right here, actually, the Bible is enough to equip you for every good work. You believe that? I can't hear God. I can't hear his voice. And God's like, actually, I'm already speaking. If you would just read it. Hebrews 4.12, right? These are a famous passages of scripture, but it's important to revisit them because there's so much power in them. It says, for the word of God is living and active. That word active in the Greek, it means that it is powerful as it is working. The word of God is living and it is powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Oftentimes when you're in the word of God, God begins to speak to you out of the word. He begins to discern your, your heart. You begin to look at the life of Jesus. And you mean, oh, actually, I don't. He said he was on the cross and he said, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. I'm holding bitterness and I ain't even going through the cross. Ooh. I'm reading Matthew six, where Jesus is teaching me the Lord's prayer. But then I see afterwards, he says to forgive that if you don't forgive your brother, their sins, your heavenly father will not forgive you. 
Ooh. Oh, I, I don't know. I need a fresh word to walk in purity. Well, in Job, it says I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. Uh, there's your prophetic word. I don't know what I should do with my life. Well, just read the Great Commission. You're called to make disciples. The word of God has power. Jesus said in John 6, 63, he said, the very words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. What we find in the Bible is life. And the second is the word spoken into our hearts. So this couldn't mean the prophetic word, but it means the word that is spoken out, the word that is declared you know, in Matthew 4, 4, when Jesus responds to Satan's temptation, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That word word there is the word rhema. And it literally means the word that is spoken in that very moment. That when God speaks out his word to you, it is life. That you are to live off of those words. And that can even mean prophecy. I'm talking about the prophetic word. I'm talking about the word that is in season to sustain those who are weary. First Corinthians 14. That word rhema, it says that which is spoken, a word that is uttered by the living voice. And one interpretation of that is the prophetic word. First Corinthians 14, one to three, it says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Wait, Paul, you want me to earnestly desire to prophesy isn't that a little weird i i don't believe that those gifts are alive today no no earnestly desire to do it that must mean that they're still going on the other hand the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation what is prophecy edification exhortation and comfort god gives a word in season to build you up to exhort you into action or out of foolishness and to comfort you to let you know that God is with you. You know, I've shared different stories of different words that I've received and the ways that God has moved in my life. And there's so many times where God will speak to me out of his written word and then also God will speak to me out of his prophetic word. That God will activate a word and somebody will pray for me or speak into my life. And then I will hear the very voice of God in that moment. Even in the place of prayer. But there's something that you need to understand about how God speaks to us through the word, including prophetic words. And that there's multiple levels in which we can hear him and learn to hear him clearly through the word. And there's three levels. And I want you to write this down. The first level is directions. It's, it's direction type words. We see this in, in the Bible. We see this in the life of Moses, in the life of Joshua. We see God telling them to go do something, right? Moses, speak to the rock. Moses, strike the rock. Moses, do this, do that, do this, do that, right? We see that God speaks in direction kind of ways. We see this in the life of Paul. We see that God sometimes would tell Paul exactly what to do, that God can speak to us in a direction kind of way. The second way is through rules, the Ten Commandments, for example, other commands in the Bible, even the way that Jesus speaks as he is giving the Sermon on the Mount. There's different rules that God will set in place for us. And that is God speaking to us. That's God setting things up for us. Don't don't steal. Don't kill. Don't covet. Right. There's different rules in which God speaks to us. But then the last way is precepts or principles. And these are guiding principles that underlie the rules and directions. And you got to understand these three things, because what causes confusion for a lot of Christians in terms of hearing the voice of God is that God is giving you a precept, but you're looking for directions. So, God, I want you to tell me exactly what to do. Tell me exactly where I should go. Tell me what I should do. But then and you're reading the Bible, hoping that God will say you should take that job when God's wanting to give you a rule, giving you a precept, giving you a principle by which you can make a choice and it be within his heart. See, oftentimes hearing the voice of God is not about getting directions, but about getting his heart. Because if you'll get his heart, then you'll walk in his ways. It's like a it's like a small child, right? 
I was down in Busan and I was hanging with Pastor Mina and Caleb's uh, baby, Ethan. And Ethan, when he was first born, he stuck everything into his mouth. Like literally, like his own foot. He stuck, like he'd pick up stuff off the ground. Like, don't eat that. Don't eat that. Stop that. Please stop that. Don't pick that up. That is styrofoam. You eat that, that's going to kill you. Like he was picking up everything. But the older he gets, right, there's not going to be so many direction kind of words. After a while, they're going to start setting up rules, rules in the house. But then once you get to a certain level of maturity, they don't need to give you directions and rules anymore. They just need to give you principles. But so many of us, God is trying to give you principles when you're asking him for directions. God, we can I should I do this? And God's like, actually, I've already spoken to you. I've already set the boundary lines. If you walk in my ways, you walk in my heart, you understand who I am and what and, and who I call you to be. Then I've given you the principles. Now, just don't violate those principles and those actions. It's a different way to live. It's what we see in Genesis. God sets up certain parameters for them, but they had freedom within those parameters. But for many of us, what hinders us from hearing the voice of God is because we're looking for God to tell us do and do not. When God's like, I've already set up the parameters. Now I just want you to walk in my heart. And here's the thing. God will never speak to you prophetically in a way that violates his rules, directions or principles. God will never speak to you and tell you to do something that violates something he's already spoken. So that means that God won't ever tell you to go out and sleep with someone because he said, keep the marriage bed pure and do not commit adultery. So many Christians say, I feel like God's saying, I need to stick with him. I need to stay with her. We're meant to be. But God's like, hold on now. I've already spoken. That that's sin. I've already spoken that that which you are in right now, you should not do. And so therefore, I would never speak that to you because it completely negates what I've already said. I feel like God is calling me to do this. And I know it may create division. No, God will never speak to you about something that will create division in the body of Christ like that. You know, I know my I know my covering and my authority told me to do this, but I feel like God is saying this. The Bible says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Why would God tell you something that negates his own word? See, when we live in that way, what we are communicating to the world is that God has no integrity. It's okay for me to get drunk, even though God says, don't get drunk. Are you a Christian? But yeah, no, what you're commu- what you're communicating is that God says one thing, but allows another. See, if you want to understand the voice of God, you got to understand that those are the ways that God speaks. And he never allows those things to. To cancel out. So he'll never give you a directionary word. That violates his principles. Oh, I feel like he's doing it to test me. No, God doesn't test. We find that in the Bible as well. When I'm being tested, I, I shouldn't say that God's tempting me. I shouldn't say that God's trying to lead me that way. He doesn't do that kind of thing. So when the with the word of God, you've got to understand That those are the ways that God speaks. And when you hit a certain level of maturity, hearing his voice will sound different. In the word of God, it will mean that God wants you to draw out principles more than rules. He wants you to draw out precepts rather than a direction. Because God has already established within you the confines for you to live rightly. So he speaks through his word. The second way is he speaks through circumstances. He speaks through circumstances and we often we see this often through the life of Paul, that God will use his circumstances to lead him and direct him. God would close one door and open another in order to show him the way to go. Turn to Acts, Acts chapter 16. And I'm just going to look at two verses real quick. Acts 16 verses six to seven. Acts 
I love the life of Paul. I, I don't think there's ever a TV show or a movie that quite compares to the life of Paul. Like Paul goes through stuff and it's just like, wow. Acts 16, 6-7, it says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Messiah, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Now, this is a confusing passage of Scripture. Because they're wanting to go a certain way, but the Spirit would not allow them. It doesn't say that the Spirit of God said, no, you shouldn't go. No, I advise you not to go. It says that God would actually not allow them to go. Meaning that God, they wanted to go that way, but God was not allowing them. And we need to recognize that sometimes you have a way in which you want to go, but God won't allow it. That in his mercy and grace, he will shut that door. He will change your circumstances. He'll let you get fired. He'll let that thing happen because he's wanting to direct you into a different, different way. Sometimes even trials. God uses trials sometimes to speak to us. If you're in unrepentant sin, you got a certain sin pattern in your life, or you've got a hardened heart and you're unrepentant, God will oftentimes ordain certain negative circumstances in your life to try to tell you to wake up. There's sometimes where God will actually allow certain negative things to happen in your life, and he's trying to speak to you because you got sin in your life. I don't know why that's happening. I don't know why that's happening. No, it's because the wages of sin are death. And that sin in your life is bringing forth that wage. And God is allowing it in order to wake you up. God is allowing it to try and speak to you. So sometimes he speaks through circumstances. And then one way, another way is that he speaks through other people. God will oftentimes speak through other people to help us. But once again, we have to understand that what God speaks through even people will never contradict what he's already said. God will speak through spiritual authority. For many of us, that scares us because of whatever issues we have with our parents or whatever things that have been spoken over us in the past. But sometimes God will speak through spiritual authority to redeem what had happened to you in the past by other authorities. God's funny like that. I've seen it here in this community where God, where people who came from broken backgrounds, broken backgrounds with spiritual authorities or pastors or leaders or parents, and then God will literally put them with certain leaders that have weaknesses in the exact area that that person in the past had it. And why is God doing that? Because God's trying to speak to them, to bring them to a place of forgiveness and also to ultimately to a place of wholeness. He's trying to speak to you, but are you listening? A lot of times we just, a lot of people who have that hurt, they just go from church to church. Oh, that, oh man, that pastor's just like that other pastor. Man, that pastor's just like the other pastor. It reminds me of a conversation I had with my mom. In college, where I was, I I was in a few relationships, and both all those relationships ended. And I remember my mom not at the same time. Uh, and my mom picked me up from UNC, and she was driving me home, and she was like, "So how are things going with so and so?" Mom, mom, she's crazy. Uh, mom, it didn't work out. She's crazy. And mom was like, "Oh, she's crazy." Yeah, mom, you don't understand. She's crazy. Hey, what what happened with, with the girl before that? She was crazy too. And she was so crazy. Hmm, she was crazier. What about the one before her? Crazy. And then my mom just paused for a moment. Hmm. What? They're all crazy. Yeah, crazy. Who was the common denominator? In all those relationships. <laughs> and she, <laughs> she just drove. I didn't say anything else the rest of that conversation. 
If you're wondering why you keep running into the same walls, who's the common denominator? If you wonder why you keep having the same issues, who's the common denominator? The common denominator is crazy people. Common denominator is those mean people. The common denominator is those mean pastors. No, no. The common denominator is you. And God's trying to speak to you. He's trying to reveal some issues in your heart. He's trying to lead you into life and life to the full. He's trying to lead you down a path of righteousness. Are you hearing his voice? I want to give you one key. You got to believe, right? You got to believe that you can hear his voice. You got to understand the way in which he speaks. But then here, number three, you got to learn to listen, not just to hear. I'm going to define what this means. The the definition of the word listen is different than the definition of the word to hear. Listen, it means to give attention to one's sound, to take notice of and act on what someone says, to make an effort to hear something. To listen means to give attention to one's sound, to take notice of and act on what someone says. Make an effort to hear something. In Proverbs 2, 1 to 2, Solomon, who's speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, speaking to his son, says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments with, with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, meaning that you are listening and you're giving your full attention to hear God, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, then you will receive it. It'll be greater than gold and silver, right? But for many of us, the reason why we don't really have that crystal clear kind of reception with God is because we just, we hear him passively, but we're not listening attentively. We're not willing to give God our full attention. You know, we're in that social media age where we just get everything bombarding us, right? We got so many different things and our attention spans are shorter than a two-year-old's. But if you want that kind of ability to hear God, you've got to start learning to hear him and give him your full attention. But not just to give him your full attention, but to listen with the intent of obedience. That means you come before God with a heart posture already to obey what he's going to say. Not God, I just want to see what you got to say. It's not like God is just like another homie that you want to see. Hey, God, you know, I want to see what you think about this. But to come before God with the kind of heart. Like, God, I'm wanting to hear from you and my heart is open to hear whatever you have to say. I'm ready to go. That's actually listening. Just hearing is like, you know, well, you can keep talking and I hope it goes through. But to listen, to receive wisdom, this is our year of wisdom, right? So many of us, we wanting to grow in wisdom. We only got like a month and a half left. Some of us feel like this whole year, I haven't been walking in wisdom. The question is, have you been actually listening? Have you been listening with intention to act? When God speaks, when the word of God is spoken, when those words go out, is your heart posture, I'm going to act on it. No matter how it looks, no matter what it costs, I'm going to move. This may mean that you need to embrace the fact that God may be speaking to you something that you may not really like. You know, I read an article online about about Mark, uh, about Facebook, right, about the news feed. And it was about how our news feed and, you know, you've ever been on your Facebook. All of us have Facebook. You're all on it. And, you know, someone posts up something that you don't want to see, right? And so what do you do? Don't say defriend, please. <laughs> but, you know, you click that button and you click hide or unfollow, right? I don't want to see this. And I was reading this article about how every time you do that, every time you hide something that you don't want to see, 
Facebook is geared in its program to literally change the newsfeed so to learn what you like and don't like. So it will show you what you like, but not show you what you dislike. It's so interesting. Like, even if you decide once or twice to hide the particular posts of a certain individual, Facebook will change it so that you never see the post from that individual ever again. Because I, 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 uh, I found this out personally. <laughs> so I was on there and I was like, what? I haven't heard from what? Like, n- none of y'all, okay? Uh, but if someone from back home, I was like, man, I wonder what they're up to. I haven't heard from them at all. And then I go to the page and I see all these posts. And I was like, wait, what happened? Like, that was like five minutes ago. And then I go search my newsfeed and they're not there. And it's because Facebook literally changed itself so that I would not see anything from them ever again. Mark Zuckerberg said this. He said, a squirrel dying in front of your house may be more relevant to your interests right now than people dying in Africa. A squirrel dying in front of your house may be more relevant to your interests, justifying this, this new thing they did in the newsfeed, than people dying in Africa. So your newsfeed changes so that you only get the pages you like, the things you want, and the information you request, right? Which may or may not be the information you actually need to hear. But the funny thing is, is so many of us, that's how we are with God. So God will speak something to us and hide. God will speak something else to us. You know, the first time we're all ears. God, I love your voice. Speak to me. Oh, yeah. Mm. But then you start to read something that you don't like. Hide. Not reading that book again. Skipping over that verse. God speaks something else to you again. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. But then he speaks something else that you don't really like. Hide. But what you don't know is after a while, you're changing the very dynamics by which you hear his voice. And then you wonder why you don't hear his voice anymore. And it's because the more and more you hide his voice, the more and more other voices begin to take its place. And the connection starts to seem very fuzzy. It's like, God, aren't you speaking? Like God's like, actually, I've been speaking to you this whole time. You go visit his page. You realize he's been speaking every day. It's so full. He put up pictures. <laughs> but it seems so absent. Why? Because you've been hearing, but you haven't been listening. Because every time he says something you don't want to hear, he's like, I hide. I'll ignore you said that. I'll ignore you said that. And God, he's a person. Imagine in a relationship with someone you ignored what the things that you didn't want to hear from them continually. After a while, they're like, you don't really want to hear what I got to say after all, do you? See, God, he longs for you to have that dynamic relationship with him where every day you're hearing his voice. But for some of us, that means we've got to shift our hearts to say, God, I want to hear you regardless of what you got to say. You know, the thing about God is that he's a good father. So he will never say anything to you that isn't good for you. That means that in his word, there's never anything in here that God has said to you that isn't good for you. So when you believe that you can hear his voice, when you begin to understand that he speaks through his word, for many of you, you got to make a you got to recommit yourself to be in the word of God. To prayerfully be in the word of God, to study the word of God. Not just to read it, but to be intentional about it, to get down in it, to get your hands dirty in his word, to get in the word of God. You've got to make a commitment to do that. Because God wants to speak to you there. He wants to encounter you there. His voice is crying out from his word. For some of you, you've got to open up your heart to the fact that maybe God speaks to you from not just his word, but his word being spoken out into your life. That there are words in season for your life that you've been shutting off because of fear. And for all of us, we need to start making a commitment to say, God, I don't want to just hear you. I want to listen 
And that means removing the things that hinder the connection. It means removing the things that may be getting in the way. How much time do you take? Not to pray, not to speak to God, because he hears you. But how much time do you take to listen? Jesus came that we may have life and life to the full. You know, before Jesus walked on the earth, the people heard the voice of God only through only through mediators, only through priests, right? The priests, they would come, they would go in and come out before the people. They would come in and go out before the people, meaning that they would go before the people and speak out a word. They go before God and receive and hear from God. And it was just constant cycle. And so the people would always come before the priest to hear from God. But the Bible tells us now that that through what Christ has done for us on the cross, that we know the veil was torn, right? We have access to him. We have access to the holy of holies. We have access to the most intimate place with God. It says in it says in first Timothy two five, it says there's one God and there's one mediator between God and man. And it's the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus, he said, I believe it was to Nathaniel, I may be getting it wrong, but he saw him. He said. He said, I saw you sitting under the under the tree, right? And he's like, well, you saw he says, I tell you, you'll see even greater things than this. You will see you will see heaven open and angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And that was a reference to Jacob's ladder. That was a reference to where Jacob was asleep in the area called Luz, ultimately called Bethel. And he saw a ladder where angels would ascend and descend upon this ladder. And Jesus said, I'm the ladder. That because you, you are in me, you have access to heavenly wisdom. You have access to everything that God wants to speak. You have access Angels, you know what they are? They're messengers of God. You have access to hear his voice. To be led into all that he has for your life. And I believe that he doesn't want you to just be having a Christian life that has days where the three G's working well, where you can hear him real, real good, and then another day where he drops out. But that each and every day of your life, you just feel like you're, LTE. I can hear him all the time. You know, another big, big thing about the, the LTE is that it has unbelievable download speeds. You download an app in an instant. That's how God wants revelation and wisdom to be in your life. Like a download in an instant. As you read the word of God, the word of God to come alive. As you talk with people for things to come alive. That's what God desires for our lives. That's what he paid for. That's what he died for, for us to have that kind of connection with the Father. Let's pray.